With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Shuttlesworth Initiative podcast. Don't know why I went Oprah there for a second. Uh, podcast, John Travolta's here. You get a podcast. No, I don't know. I was beating this joke to death. Uh, we're here again, <laughs> friends. Uh, I am your host, Jay Christian, with my co-host, Chris Green, uh, coming to you with the Shuttlesworth Initiative pod, part of the OTG basketball family of podcasts. You can find us at blogtalkradio.com. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at the otgbasketball.com website, where you'll not only find Chris and myself, but a host of other basketball fanatics talking hoops, writing about hoops, anything you need about basketball or pop culture, uh, we are there for you. And quick shout out to the team. Uh, Just today, we launched this trade deadline extravaganza. We're posting articles, pods, hot takes. Uh, all leading up to the trade deadline uh, in a few weeks. I believe February 9th is the trade deadline, and we got articles and, like I said, hot takes and viewpoints on what trade should be made, what trade should be made, and just a bunch of opinions that you probably don't care about but should listen to anyway. Uh, Chris, how you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. You know, going rogue Oprah for the opening, you're going to have to meet me in the tunnel after the game. <laughs> We're going to have to go meet. Now, is this a publicly available tunnel or is this a secret tunnel? This is how it always is. The players out in the open are going to make it public and then actually not do anything about it. So, <laughs> well, I feel like we're right in line. You have given us an excellent segue, my friend, to what is probably yes. the hot topic in the NBA right now. Um, Clippers Rockets. Uh, that matchup, I think, goes back a few seasons to where. Um, the Clippers blew a 3-1 lead uh, to the Rockets uh, when the Rockets were uh, went on their way to the Western Conference Finals a few seasons ago. Uh, that rivalry sort of been there over the last few years, um, not really has, an historic rivalry per se. Um, but the other day we got some fireworks, and I thought about it in sort of true Clipper fashion. Of course, only the Clippers, and this is like a joke from our childhood, right, about how the Clippers can always botch things. Um, right. You know, pre-Lob City for anybody born, you know, past like 1995. <laughs> like, there's a very <laughs> tortured history of the Clippers. This Lob City stuff is all pretty new. So, you know, don't get it twisted. But uh, in true Clippers fashion, they have one of their greats, probably the greatest player to ever wear their uniform, come back. And on sort of the video tribute night, um, we hear about a, a melee or kerfuffle or incident yeah. uh, on the court. Uh with some Rockets players and it spills over to the locker room quite literally where reports came out from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and others that uh, Chris Paul led a, I don't know, a SEAL Team 6 or brigade into, <laughs> through a secret tunnel to the Clippers locker room. 
uh, you know, sort of. Well, he finally led his team. Ah, man, is what I would say. Fire. Yeah. (laughs) So in in one hand, you had Chris Paul and and his uh, band of merry men going through the secret passageway, a la the movie Clue. And on the other hand, you had Clint Capella doing his role as the decoy at the front of the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I'll stop there. And Chris, what the hell do you make of this whole situation? I, I guess the most famous meet me in the tunnel has got to be the, the Laker King. Was it Rick Fox and Doug Christie had the altercation out in the court? And well, then, Rick Fox and Doug Christie and Doug Christie's wife, I think. Was, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was a handicap. And then you see, you're right. And then you see video, I guess, of Shaq in the, in the, I guess the first part of the tunnel. So maybe something happened back there, but uh, yeah, you know, I guess when, when CP three got traded, that everyone kind of felt like the rivalry that had happened the previous couple of years was, I mean, dead. The Clippers are an afterthought, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blake is still there, but people are trying to move DeAndre before the trade deadline, and no one's really taking him serious. But I, I'm all there for a potential first-round matchup if somehow the Clippers could get matched up. That would be, uh, I guess, just entertaining. Um, while, you know, James Harden was out and the Rockets weren't at full strength, it was definitely a showcase to see CP3 throw pot shot after pot shot at everybody that he uh, disliked on the Clippers. Yeah. Hilarious that Austin Rivers kind of was the, the force of it after right. Blake was sort of the focal point. I mean, that's just hilarious. Sure. Um, nobody, nobody fights. Um, I guess uh, Woj decided to, after his initial report, said that CP3 played uh, the peacemaker after all because he wasn't one of the ones that got suspended. But which I don't no even know believe, if that's true. Yeah, yeah, no one believes that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess in any fight scenario, now that it's, I'm going to say post, really post the the brawl in Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody fights anymore. Even the melee uh, haymaker that we saw from. Uh, Aaron Aflalo, you know, yeah. <laughs> nobody is used to throwing punches, I would say. Well, that one's overshadowed, right? So I think there's several things going on here, right? I think it's interesting, like you say, the shift. First of all, you know, Blake was never really a tough guy in the NBA. I mean, right. one of the criticisms, I mean, even with Matt Barnes, when he was on the Clippers, one of the criticisms of him that he had of that team was that, hey, they teams would just beat up Blake Griffin, you know, take them down, cheap shots. And nobody was getting up and, you know, kicking some ass in Blake's honor. Uh, right. I mean, I remember Matt Barnes getting tossed out of the game his last year with uh, the Clippers and going to social media. And I think he deleted the tweets or whatever, you know, sort of standard operation. Because that's what you do. Because that's what you do. But he was pissed. He's like, hey, man, I, this is what I get for riding for my guys. And nobody's there with me in, in the, in the pocket. Right. So that's one element. And then the Austin Rivers, like, anger and hatred, which is funny. I, I posted this on Twitter the other day. Like, if you hear Austin Rivers talk about his relationship with Doc, they're not, I mean, it's not. You oh, know, you wouldn't even think it's father's. Marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you sure. wouldn't even think it's father son. No, absolutely. I mean, his, they don't have that type of relationship, it seems like to me. Right. Now, and I, and I know Austin, you know, when he came out and he's the Duke and he's like top player in the country, but, uh, and so there's some, there's some shade there. And I mean, I guess Doc right. getting the solid with his, with his contract, you could argue, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I know it's, it's weird that it's on Austin and then D'Antoni's dropping F-bombs at Blake Griffin, who would, you know, for him not being a fighter, like I just said a second ago, would obviously totally walk. Well, you saw the play that happened, I guess it got D'Antoni mad was they sort of had a mini collision with D'Antoni's tie. Right. Yeah, that was, yeah. I think D'Antoni started on the court and then briefly moved back when he saw the freight train. 
Griffin <laughs> right, right. Uh, for him to get mad at Griffin is, but Griffin has always been the. Uh, we'll get into everyone take two steps together. Referee, break it up. Everyone take two steps back. That sure. is Blake Griffin's fight career. That's NBA, just what happens. NBA version of the cha-cha slide, right? It's just uh... yes, that, that is the ultimate <laughs> dance, the NBA fighting. So, and, and Matt though. Barnes and, and players like that have to realize too, like even in scenarios where they wanted Blake to be tougher, superstars never fight in the history of the NBA. Uh, you have to go back to really like, I mean, unless you considered Artest or Wallace a star at the mm-hmm. moment. Right. Uh, maybe Shaq versus Barkley, but I mean, stars don't do that because of repercussions now. Ever ever since those New York and Miami series where uh, the NBA had to clean up everything, where you've got sure. coaches dragging off Alonzo Mourning, mm-hmm. uh, his feet. Um, yeah, everything's been cleaned up, so it doesn't even benefit superstars to be quote-unquote tough anymore. You have to have players like the Matt Barnes to do stuff. Sure. And I and it's funny, though, because it's this whole – and I was, I was actually going to – I was wondering about that because – you know, they don't – so guys don't really fight in the NBA anymore, right? And, right. and I mean, I guess they fought in the 70s. You Kermit Washington and Rudy T and that whole thing that changed lives forever. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Kermit Washington was in a story in the 1970s, I think it's Sports Illustrated, the enforcers, right? The guys in the NBA that were like hockey enforcers but for the league. Um, only problem is you were in the 1970s with a bunch of black dudes fighting on TV for the yeah, league yep. with a cocaine problem. So it did not was not a good look. Uh, right. But – uh, yeah, to your point, uh, I wonder, I was thinking about that, why the NBA guys don't fight. And I don't know, I think it is probably, I'm going to do the financial reason because I thought about that and I said, well, you know, if you're like an NFL, for instance, well, hell, my contract's not guaranteed. I'm literally right. for my job every day. Right. <laughs> right. right. It doesn't hurt. Um, well, it's definitely money because look, right. they, I guess they showed a graphic where it was, uh, um, Trevor Reza over the two game span lost a hundred and three grand. Oh man. Like that's in salary that he lost. Yeah. Like, and I didn't realize his contract was that big. Right. But then uh, Gerald green lost 19 grand, which hits Gerald green a lot more than Trevor. Reza, oh, definitely. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I can just sit there and imagine that, but yeah, it's gotta be because you have guaranteed money within reason and it's mm-hmm. being absolutely taken from you. And but those are big checks. I mean, those are huge checks, um, yeah. which is sort of the brilliant. Well, two things. One, Man, I hate it had to be my guy Trevor Reeser. I, I crack up every time I see that State Farm commercial, like when he's in the back <laughs> oh, seat. He's telling me he is why. jamming. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh man, I laugh every single time. Yeah, uh, but it's funny. So credit to to your point, credit to David Stern for sort of cleaning up the league. You know, he and Michael Jordan before he suspended him for gambling in 1993. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. But uh, <laughs> cue the X Files music, um, which we don't have clear yeah. on this pod. Which I was thinking, we're still a, a, an, an up and coming podcast. So we should start using this music. I mean, whatever. Until you know, yeah, we should until we until, get, they, until Fox we get, shows up. I think up. there's a cease and desist letter right. letter right. first, we, and yeah. then we can just cease and desist. Jay. I mean, there you go. That's there what the go. letter's called. Um, and I like how we have this recording that we're going to do that so so blatantly. Yeah, we have it now <laughs> planned, and now our plan's spoiled for admitting um, But uh, anyway, so Stern sort of cleaning up the league, right, and, and taking taking it from the sort of, you know, this this black league, quote-unquote, uh, and cleaning it up to making it sort of family-friendly and corporate-friendly, um, which is an interesting thought there, I think, between the parallels between what Stern did for the NBA and what Vince McMahon, of all people, did for professional wrestling, right? I mean, yeah. I think there's some yeah. parallels there. I don't. Yeah. I would argue that Stern is not as much of a carnival barker as Vince McMahon, but not by much. But it's it's, it's right. an interesting much. parallel to 
to, to, to the point now where guys like say you can't fight, you know, the economic interest is too much, but money is guaranteed in baseball and hockey too. Right. I mean, they still right. fight in those sports. Um, not as regularly, I guess, but uh, yeah, fighting obviously. You, sometimes in hockey games, you wonder if they're actually going to play hockey. Because sure, the fight is, seems to be the central thing, but uh, the, the, there really isn't a penalty. I, you know, I, I wonder if you could translate that to the NBA, where you let two players sort of hash it out, and then they have to sit out for a time being. But I mean, really, that's not a penalty. I mean, people right. take rest in the NBA anyway, so. Uh, well, yeah, it just doesn't translate, but it is interesting. I and mean, yeah, you do have fighting in that sport, and that's basically allowed. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the deep end, my friend. Why not? So, do you, in your opinion, do you think part of that, the compared NBA fighting, this is probably a, an old troop that's been beat to death, but the NBA fighting, given its history, but like I said, hockey and baseball, they have, you know, they have history of fighting as well. I mean, literally positions known as enforcers in hockey, for instance. Um, <laughs> you know, something about two black dudes fighting on TV. That is, I was going to say, are you going to go racial? Because it is racial. racial. (laughs) It for sure is racial though. I mean, the the white guys that are enforcers in the NHL, they are looked at as warriors and uh, fighting for their team. And you've got to deal with this tough guy. I mean, they centered two of the, I don't know if you've seen the movie. It's called goon. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I mean, they centered the entire movie over this guy being an enforcer, obviously not, um, an actual hockey player, but just for the movie's sake, uh, you would never get a movie like that based on a seventies character in the NBA being a quote unquote enforcer. And it is race driven. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Uh, and I think that's interesting that that's still the vestiges of that still sort of rear their head. And I mean, I, I think like when you, this is sort of tangential, but the shorthand becomes the word thug, right? Thug, yep. thugs. And yep. And we've talked about this, like I think we were talking about J.R. Smith last week on the pod. Just uh, I forgot what the topic was, but you know, it's easy to say, "Oh, J.R. Smith's this thug," but he's this actually this, you know, upper middle class guy with you know, quote unquote, two parent home, and you know, all these other things. Biggest label thug. I remember after Richard Sherman made that play on the Niners and Crabtree, he had that infamous YouTube moment with Aaron Andrews, and then you go on social media, and I remember someone was like, "Oh, he's a thug," you know, this, that, and the third. And this is on my personal Facebook page, someone I knew from high school, or you know, you get in those Facebook rabbit holes, and you're like, "How the hell did I get here?" Uh, right. But uh, and I said, "Well, actually, he's you know, like valedictorian of his high school class, uh, graduated to, um, uh, you know, graduated from Stanford, and so it's like, I don't care if he went to Stanford, he still sounded like a thug." It's like I yep. see, I see what's going on. This makes sense now. Yeah, that's yeah, that's any retort after what you put shows exactly what it is. Right. Right. There's um, no arguing once you give credentials because right. it's like, well, actually, I don't think uh, these yeah, are how, which yeah. two things are not. I mean, the things are not mutually exclusive. I, guess, I mean, you could argue someone graduated from Stanford is could be a thug, I guess. Right. Um, I guess it's just definition of thug, whereas that person's definition of thug is very basic. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so and then the irony of it, too, just one thing on it. I think all the guys that can't fight, people don't try to fight them in the NBA like. I don't think anybody's run up on David West since he's been in the league, right? Like, oh no. Like, Although certified. I will say one example I just saw was Serge Ibaka, and is it James Johnson on the Heat? Is that his name? Yes, who's like an MMA fighter or something like that. Oh right? yeah, so Serge. Here's my debate: Did Serge know his credentials, <laughs> or did he not know? Because I'm going to argue that he did know, because he knew the fight would get broken up so quickly. So you get your shot in, 
Right. And then it gets broken up, and it looks like you attack the MMA fighter with undefeated record and undefeated kickboxing record. Ah, so that goes sort of again to my wrestling analogy, right? Like, okay, I know yeah. you can you, you can set me on fire because I know we're going to put it out really fast or something's going right. to happen, all right? Like, uh, you and know, yeah, no, I totally credibility. Yeah, oh, there you go. Which, yeah. by the way, this is uh, talking about fighting. I feel like Joel Embiid, I mean, love him. He's funny. He's hilarious. Something refreshing in the NBA. I feel like he should check the receipts on some of that a little bit before. I mean, because he's fun. He goes after guys. Well, until he gets checked, though, I mean, he can do whatever he wants. I think that's where the difference is. Everyone now has the carte blanche to say anything they want because right. you know you're not going to get popped. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, who's going to be the guy to to go ahead and steal off on Joel Embiid? Uh, I mean, like nobody would run up on him, right? I mean, yeah. Like nobody's going to run up on David West, right? Like David West is like. Right. Baddest man yeah. on the planet. Like, man, yeah, I mean, man. he's going after Whiteside or shit. I don't know. <laughs> he's definitely, he's definitely not going after Ryan David Anderson. West. You know, yeah, he's like trying to. Uh, <laughs> so, so that was fighting on the court. I think there was a little bit, sort of, more of the new dudes fighting going on off the court, which with a guy who's actually not a new dude. Uh, story came out that uh, Paul Pierce is having Paul Pierce night, having his jersey retired. On February 11th, an upcoming uh, Celtics game. I believe that's also when the Cleveland Cavaliers are back in the building. And they wanted to do a, in the course of the game, do a um, Isaiah Thomas tribute video. Um, Paul Pierce was kind of like, hey, man, you know, get off my Kool-Aid. Uh, <laughs> and so it went back and forth for a little while to finally Isaiah, I guess, was the bigger man, uh, which is irony in itself of saying, uh, yeah. and said, look, I appreciate it, but that's Paul's night. And, uh, you know, Paul's getting his full night, um, not sitting well with a lot of people. I think Jalen Rose sitting on the NBA countdown desk last night spoke for the masses when he thought, you know, Paul Pierce told him to his face uh, he was being petty. And you had yep. T-Mac in the background co-signing for Paul Pierce, which I thought was hilarious. But um, oh yeah, your yeah. thoughts on that whole sort of fiasco and the truth getting his feelings hurt. I mean, like Draymond told well, him once, you know, hey, you're not – you know, you thought she was Kobe? What? You thought well, they loved see, you? That's where, that's where it comes from, is mm -hmm. I feel like he feels like he hasn't gotten the respect that the Kobe's or LeBron's or whoever has played during his term um, has gotten where he has not gotten that sort of respect. So I think that comes from that. And then now he's finally getting a jersey retirement ceremony, and he wants it. I mean, that that is what those other players would give him in common. You know, you get your jersey retired, so he finally feels like he's part of that fraternity. Um, part of this, too, is Isaiah Thomas didn't realize that maybe they were doing the jersey retirement that time because I guess everyone's saying that he turned down. Uh, they've already been to Boston, so he turned down the first opportunity for this to happen. Um, so this is more a failure on the, the Boston management side. I mean, Danny Ainge knew they were going to – going to do it but he probably didn't think paul had a problem with it right so do you think um so i guess a couple things here uh is paul pierce in that class with the kobe's of the world in your opinion no absolutely he, he's not even a top wow fire that's I mean, my next question is he a top where is he so a guy was gonna say top 10 but you you think he's a top 10 well something? it's it's hard it's hard for me to say like hey Sam Jones. Okay, so let's or... go there real quick. So I think that 
hey, props to the Celtics back in the day when there was like six teams and like you know, right. like the good black dudes. Let's just call it what it is. Uh, and you know, it's like a round of the playoffs. I get all that, right. and like all those guys are in the Hall of Fame, right? right. So I mean. So for one, okay, you put like he, okay, Bill Russell's in front of him, right? That's not up for debate. Um, yeah, because Bill Russell is a modern day Dennis Rodman. But go ahead. Uh, and okay, and we're just talking Celtics here. So Celtics, you got Russell from those teams. You got Russell and Kuzi, right? Those are locks. But yes. is the um, yeah to your point, Sam Jones, Casey Jones, who's my guy? Who's my uh, guy? That does the games now? Um, Heisen. Um, Tommy, uh, yeah. Tommy Heisen. Yep, Tommy yeah, Tommy Heisen. Um, uh, Celtic Express. Shout out. You guys are going to kill me for screwing that name up. Uh, <laughs> uh, and um, who else? John Havlicek, for instance. He's, I mean, Hondo, right? Like, where is he? Yeah. So, yeah, to your point. Sorry, I cut you off. But, yeah, so you think that you That's can That's fine. Well, see, I just have – I have no problem putting – Mikhail is a better Celtic to me sure, than – Sure, Than, But part of it, too, is it has to be so team-centric – that that means not only do you have the accolades for the team, but you basically play there your whole career if you can. Mm-hmm. And he did a little bit of ring chasing at the end. Uh, that's sort of, to me, it doesn't minimize what he did, but, you know, Garnett is completely thought of now. I think some people think of him as a Celtic when weird. I think of him as a yeah, Timberwolf. No. Yeah, it's very weird. So, um, yeah, I, I would put, I, I think, well, obviously talent-wise, Paul Pierce is better than Sam Jones and players in the 60s. But as far as being the best for that team, he's got to be slid down behind everyone that won rings. And they put as you're having to make it a debate of pre-60s and post-60s. Right. And if we're doing post-60s and arguably post-mid-70s, mm-hmm. um, then he would be top, you know, six or seven Celtic. But he would be right. behind the classes of the '80s players just because of what they did accolades. So, right. Veer Paul because he brought a championship, quote unquote, because he had a lot yeah. of help uh, back to Boston after <laughs> right. so many years. But they literally the, carried him, <laughs> literally carried him <laughs> into the wheelchair. <laughs> into the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, um, I I, I kind of I see the merits in a fan favorite. Yeah. He's more the common man anyway. Right. Five nine is more relative to America than is, you know, six eight. But um, right. you know, he played after the tragedy of his sister dying, and he had all mm-hmm. these things that really endeared himself to the fans of Boston, uh, right. racist Boston, that is. Um, right. Where where I feel like a tribute could happen. Um, I just think Paul just has trouble with it. If it was on any other night, I don't think Paul would have a problem. But Paul also wanted it to happen when Cleveland came to town. Mm-hmm. He wanted sure. to see his jersey retired in front of LeBron, with their little rivalry that they had, which is really a non-rivalry. But which is weird, yeah. So there's another part of this too. Um, right? Did you call it? Did you say racist Boston a second ago? Racist Boston, <laughs> probably the most racist city in the world. Wow! Whoa, that's a whole yeah. other pod. Okay, in the world, Jay. In the world, no, the no. I, the world. I, I heard you. I just wanted to make sure. I, you know, just in case you're listening <laughs> in the car and you heard "Racist Boston," that was uh, Chris <laughs> Gurry. You can find him at Twitter. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, hot takes, all the fire. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's another element of this because I saw that. Uh, I guess they asked Rondo about Pierce's retirement. Oh yeah, I did see that too. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. Why? Well, that's Petty Rondo coming out too, because he didn't sure. necessarily like his exit from Boston. 
He feels like maybe he wasn't appreciated on the team with the big three. Mm -hmm. uh, but quite frankly, he has never played as good as he did when he had good players. It's it's weird how that works out. But sure. better players you play with, you probably play better. Um, so there's a little bit of jealousy seeing uh, another point guard come in and, and get some fame where he thought he was – Right, right. Oh, I guess he yeah, acted Thomas as if Thomas. Yeah, that's right. Well, well, yeah. Rajon acted as if championships were a sure thing in Boston, and how dare Isaiah take him to the conference title and championship? And you want to celebrate him for that? As if Boston was just going nonstop conference championships for a decade. It's not the case. Right. Be celebrated because post uh, Pierce, Boston had a dry spell until Isaiah showed up. And it was out of nowhere. Um, so he should still be celebrated. It's just the particular night, I believe. That's well, that's the argument, right? I think that's that's another article I read, just sort of like how great, you know, that, those teams, that, that that squad that got that championship in, was it 2008, like sort of revere themselves as, you know, and of course the next year guys were hurt, KG was hurt. And so, you know, Orlando ended up going to the finals and they, you know, had the rematch with uh, Kobe and the Lakers in 2010. And they let but, I mean, them off the hook in the second one. They did, uh, yeah. and and uh, you know it, it. You know it was a nice run, but I think a lot of people are sort of questioning. I think in that circle circle of Celtics, you know, uh, for that team, I think it's sort of. I I think people would argue that in their you know in their own minds, like what they did, uh, while fantastic, and you know brought like you say brought the Celtic mystique out of the doldrums of you know the '90s and the early 2000s. Uh, it was it was not a greater run as maybe they remember it in their mind's eye. No, they, yeah, they sort of underperformed if you if you ask me. Uh, now, yep. granted, getting to two finals is nothing to. Uh, they were the first example, I guess, maybe second example, but really first example of putting uh, players that are closer to their prime than not prime on the same team as a super team. Mm -hmm. uh, Lakers attempted it with an old Peyton and and uh carl malone but that i mean they were very into their careers yes uh, so everyone that blames lebron for creating the super team madness that's incorrect it's boston 2008 uh mm -hmm. injuries aside uh paul's on record saying if they hadn't had those injuries they would have broken the bulls 72 win record at the time yeah. uh, so that's <laughs> definitely a scenario where they remember it more fondly than really maybe sure. what it was sure no i think that's right um i, I just uh yeah, and I, I mean, I think I think Paul is yearning for a little bit of that, uh, that upper echelon treatment, you know. And yeah, I'm not, sure. I, I'm, I'm not sure if he's there. I mean, you know. fifty player all time. Oh. You know, I know they had that in 1996, where you know they put everybody right. in the world in, and then they updated. I think maybe in 2006 to you know put Kobe in there and and whatnot. Updates aside, is he a is he one of the 50 greatest players ever? And I don't think so. No, I mean, because one, he doesn't like he didn't. I don't think he bumps the kids from our youth, right? I mean, I think I think if you went back to that top fifty list and said you had to move guys out, I think we could find, you know, I mean, well, see, like I, I would say Paul Pierce is better than Scottie Pippen. Oh my gosh, blasphemy! Talent. So, <laughs> blasphemy. and I'm a huge, I'm the biggest Bulls fan, but Pippen was to me limited. And when people bring up the season Jordan retired and and uh, retired. Pippen led the team in all all stats in 94, 95. Yep. Uh, the rest of the team was, I mean, shambles. Your second best player is Ku coach. I mean, yeah, you're going to lead the team in some stats for right. sure. 
also a credit to a weak East, which is actually a knock that I have on Jordan's career is Eastern Conference is pretty yeah. poor. But anyway, yeah, I would I, I would move out. Um, I could see moving out Pippen for like a, um, a Paul Pierce, but Pippen's not a 50 greatest player to me either. Uh, he has a jacket. I would friend, put so uh, I don't know what you're gonna do about that. Well, see, this is 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 it accolade driven or is it actual ability driven? Because like Vince Carter is better than Scottie Pippen. Um, eh. Pippen's probably well. Like, think of it like in terms of I jump. Yes, Vince Carter is better than Scottie Pippen at that. Well, he right. averages more points. Where um, I, I guess it's maybe a preference call, but a one on one, I see Vince Carter in his prime beating Pippen. And what basketball? Because there's gonna be. <laughs> what are you, what are you, what there's gonna be more this this is this is the key is it will be easier for sky to score on vince than vince to score on sky as limited um, as offensively like vince i mean that three-point shot kind of came around towards the end uh well that's what i'm giving Scott, him, obviously is his right. prime three-point scenario <laughs> if you if you if you're gonna i mean all right maybe i shot myself in the foot bringing up vince carter but um so, like, for instance, like, if you said Pippen, if you said for the top 50 that's listed now, and just throw out a name, like, if you said, okay, we got to take off, you know, Dolph Shays. I'm taking out Bob Cousy for yeah, like Dolph Shays. Kevin Durant. And, right. It's, like, fine. Right, right. But right, I'm just saying, right. I don't know if there's anyone that I would do that for. So, and it, I say there are a few people I would do that for for Paul Pierce. And, and it, Is Paul Pierce better than Grant Hill? No. So, you would take... Grant Hill's career over Paul Pierce's. I didn't say that. You just asked me who was better. See, that's that's how the that's how the debate changes to me though. Is is it accolade driven or simply skill driven? Because there's a time where like nobody could defend Paul Pierce, and that goes from LeBron to Kobe to anybody in the league. He scored at will. Um, McGrady is one of the best one-on-one players I've ever seen. Pippen, then, I'd argue, yeah. Skill-wise, he's a way better accomplished offensive player. Now, you have a point when they say that Pippen's going to have an easier time scoring on them than vice versa. But Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I see your argument. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but yes, I, I see it. <laughs> let me think about it. Let me think about it. We'll, we'll, yes. Let me, let me. We'll come back to this one at some point. Let me. Let me. Then I'm going to have to redeem myself after I said Vince. <laughs> um, no, we'll we'll put a table. We will table that one for now and put a pin in it, and then we'll come back to it. Um, so, I so moving from Paul Pierce and his accolades uh, and what's going on, yep. you know, uh, to what's happening on the court now. Um, your beloved Cavaliers uh, are not looking great. Uh, right. They've had some some pretty big losses in the last few games. Uh, they, they came up short on the big MLK showdown against Golden State. They're playing well, but I mean, I think we're all just kind of waiting for Golden State to sort of turn it on, quote unquote. And well, uh, you know, and I saw a report that said that anonymous Cavs players were sending letters to the GM asking for help. Nice. Right, and I think, and if, if, I think at least in Dave McMenamin's reporting, his sources were like, I think he said something like, either experienced players or players that were getting to play. Like it wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't uh, Derek Rose sending these out. He made it seem as though people <laughs> with some sort of relevant in the rotation, at least guys, you know, significant people making these requests is how I 
Is LeBron one of those players? He's always one of those players. Would it? Yes. Uh, know, but he would. Would he do it anonymously? Yeah, I guess he would. Yes. Do it yes. Uh, so. Okay. So, uh, do you? I mean, defend your Cavaliers' recent struggles because I think people say, "Well, it's still the East." There, you know, they'll pick it up when they have to. There's yeah, no- I mean, we we still have to see Boston's rookies go through an entire season still, and then have the showing in the playoffs for a potential Eastern Conference matchup, uh, finals matchup, with the Cavaliers, and take that pressure and then beat the King. Uh, so that's still a lot to ask for, even though we see uh, Jason Tatum and and Rozier really. I mean, I mean they are awesome rookies. Uh, match with Kyrie. Um, struggles aside, I mean everyone sort of pointed to. I guess they won 18 out of 19 games during a stretch earlier in the year, and I really, I really went back and looked at that, and really only one or two of those teams now even have a record above 500. Mm-hmm. So it's not even deciphering playoff teams that they beat versus non-playoff teams. I mean, the majority of those teams were non-playoffs and non-above 500 teams. So right. um, it's tough. Uh, adding a player like Isaiah, everyone just assumed that, oh, well, this is seamless because he's just like Kyrie. And we're right. finding out that, no, post-injury, Isaiah looks slow. Um, finishers last year, but – it really takes uh, makes you take a second look at just how good of a finisher Kyrie is at the rim. Mm-hmm. I mean, he finishes everything, and maybe it's the injury that really is you know keeping Isaiah back. And you do need twenty games or thirty games under your belt before you even start uh, looking like your old self. He he came out in his first two games and actually shot the ball pretty well, but even he uh, in an interview said he told Ty Lue that this is fool's gold that it didn't feel mm-hmm. right. Uh, he just was happen. He was just happening to, to make shots. I mean, he couldn't really explain it. So it is still January, um, and it is still the East, like you said. I mean, who, who are we going to confidently say, "Oh, they're going to knock them off"? Because we struggles aside, there are always LeBron teams that have struggles and pick any month you want, and then in, in the playoffs, it just doesn't matter. Right once in the playoffs last right. year prior to the finals. I mean, it just doesn't matter. So you think this team still – so holding Pat, you think this team will still be able to do what they do, LeBron will be LeBron, and they will make it back to the finals against Golden State? Well, yeah, because what we're what we're seeing really is uh, the last couple of years is LeBron does a little coasting as, as is expected, and then he really turns it on for playoffs if you go compare playoff numbers to – to regular season numbers. So it's going to take, of course, another Herculean effort by LeBron, which is then going to tire him out for the finals, and then they're going to get swept. Right. So don't see them going against Boston and beating them 4-1 and no problem, like like right. you would have seen in previous years. It'll be 4-3. It'll be I mean, it'll be a seven-game series. I, I can fully agree with that. And Cleveland won't have home court. So they mean a lot to LeBron, who plays right. on the road. Uh, but the rest of the players, I mean, they roll out some lineups, Jay, that are non-NBA lineups. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put they put people out on the court that I'm like, their go-to is Tristan Thompson right now mm-hmm. because Wade isn't playing the way that he plays. Um, nobody is shooting the ball well. So it's there are some stretches where it doesn't even look like an NBA franchise out there. Sure. Right, right, right. So that's what, and so my, that's my, like, I guess that's my concern about them being able to quote unquote turn it on because I think the pieces just don't seem to fit, right? I mean, I think it just looks like this mismanagement of, of guys on the court. Um, 
you know, it's funny. It's ironic because I think what they're they're missing is that finisher, like Kyrie, that takes that pressure off LeBron. Right. Um, you know, say what you will about their relationship off the court or even on the court, but Kyrie is a finisher, like probably one of the best. Well, do you realize how sour it had to have gone for Kyrie to really want to leave? Like, do you know how much he must have hated that scenario? Because their combination was working. Kyrie didn't right. play well in last year's finals, and imagine how bad it must have been for Kyrie to be like, "No, I'm out of here." Right. I need a trade. But I like, think that's I, crazy. See, I don't know. So it's two things, though, right? I think it's like, on the one hand, yes, I think that's weird. You know, I think it was like, man, that had to be tough. But on the other hand, you know, he's a he's a Kobe disciple. He's he's Paul George. He's a Demar Derozan. You know, Mamba mentality. Yeah, These guys, yeah, guys want to do their do their thing and uh, you know prove to themselves and prove to whomever else that they you know they can be like LeBron or they can you know whatever. The um, experiment work for him if they lose to. I mean, they have to beat Cleveland in the playoffs for Kyrie to feel vindicated, right? I mean, uh, even if they I, get the one seed, but I they lose so. to LeBron in the finals. If if they lose, is does he feel vindicated with his decision? I think he does because I think he can always okay. look. I didn't have my number one running guy. Like if you put Gordon Hayward out here, this changes True. things a lot, right? You know, I, I, mean? I don't think you'd also have the numbers that he has. Um, sure, obviously sure. with another player, but but it uh, but yeah, it's worked for him because he's able to integrate with the other team, particularly the other teammates, particularly the rookies. Well, they essentially have last year's team. Sure. If you look at the structure, you got one main scorer, right. and he's allowed to shoot and distribute and do whatever he wants, sort of like Isaiah was. Well, that's what's so interesting, it's... right? If you compare it sort of apples to apples, and you essentially swap players and see what the and granted Isaiah Thomas is coming off a just a devastating injury and right. still getting back, he may not even be back to form until playoff time, right? But you're still yeah. seeing, like in that Golden State game, he drives the lane, and you know, like you say, he's generously five nine, and Durant swatting shots and. You know, yeah, I mean, without that burst of speed, he's he can't even get his shot off. Like it, it honestly looks slow motion when he's right. doing stuff, and it's just dramatic because we saw a different player last year, and maybe that was his lone, maybe that was his Joe Flacco playoffs year, where mm-hmm. he just has an incredible year last year, and then you just can't mimic it. Uh, but injuries play such a huge steering, especially hip surgery. Right. Right. There are old men walking around five years post hip surgery that still have a has sure. a hitch in their they get along. So, right. Let alone know, trying to play in the NBA. Yeah. I, yeah. I let remember, alone that. I mean, and to your point about leaving, I remember, I never forget this. Like Chris Bosch said, you know, when my, when LeBron left Miami, it was kind of like to hell with you guys. And, you know, <laughs> had Riley on hands and knees to go back to Dan Gilbert, um, which is another pod for another day. Uh, <laughs> you know, Chris Bosch said, you know, it's hard being LeBron James's teammate. It's hard to adjust your game. You know, and he talked about on the court stuff, but he's also alluding to the fact that if you watch those old clips, you know, shit all kind of rolled downhill, right? Like LeBron would shout at Chris Bosh for not being somewhere, and they all yelled at Mario Chalmers, right? right. <laughs> so, but Chris Ball said that, and then, you know, it was a Kevin Love, and everybody's like, ah, sour grapes because he left Miami. And then Kevin Love got trolled in the first season with LeBron and, yep, you know, not being part of the pictures. Not being and, part of the pictures. I mean, and so to Kyrie's point, uh, you know, to whether or not Kyrie, you know, I don't think he's that broken up about not being. You know, LeBron for all. No, I think, per, I mean, per, I'm saying, I don't even mean personally because I know that he feels so relieved to be out from underneath LeBron's thumb. I meant, how is the public perception going to be? Oh, sure, I mean, sure, sure. So it, it, to me, he has to beat LeBron in the playoffs for everyone to say, oh, yeah, maybe he did know. Maybe he did know Cleveland was on the downslope or, or however the narrative would play. But sure. I think that's the only way. Otherwise, they're going to forever say, see, that's what happens when you leave LeBron. 
right. was maybe shocking is that even after all of the Miami stuff where it was behind the scenes, LeBron is the czar and he makes all the decisions. You still got a notion of ah, who wouldn't want to play with LeBron because mm-hmm. you just think of someone who's unselfish and does all the little things and gets all his players in good positions. But also the downside to it is it's never LeBron's fault unless we're talking about losing championships because right. on the road to the championship, it's every other player's fault and mm-hmm. LeBron doesn't have help. Right. But then right. it's rings counted against LeBron at the end. Oh, sure. So it's, that, weird. it's a weird dichotomy. Right. No, I agree. I think that's absolutely right. I think, uh, yeah, when you get to, you know, LeBron didn't have help. And then it's also, I mean, it's both sides of the mouth, right? For people that right. appreciate his career, you know, it's like, oh, well, he didn't have any help. Look what much he's done. But then it's also like, he doesn't have help. What can he do? And so, you know. Well, see, that's the thing. Yeah. And that's the one point with Barkley I agree with is, if you stack up everyone, go put Jordan and Kobe and LeBron and anyone you have in the top 10 and then put all their teammates underneath him. He has got a who's who's list, who's who list of absolute dominant players that he's played with over his career. Mm-hmm. Um, take away Shaq and his, at, at the end or whatever. But I right. mean, who has he not played with at this point? Right. Right. I mean, shy of him going to Golden State or something. I mean, he has had a list of good teammates and as if he's underperformed the guy's been to right. seven straight finals i mean right he has adequately performed it's just he's run into a couple juggernaut franchises right i uh so i was wondering though you know i think the Cavs may be still sitting at third in the eastern conference right behind boston and toronto here's the thing man like to the finals if they stay third i think the sixth seed last i checked was milwaukee maybe yeah, to have them go Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston to get to the finals. Yeah, that that will be hard. I mean, that's murder row, bro. Because I think that that Milwaukee because series to go when Milwaukee seven, gets Jabari back. Oh yeah, yep, I agree. I forgot about Jabari Parker. When Jabari comes back, they have a half court option. See, yeah. the 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 formula to really beat Cleveland is not hard as long as you have the seminal piece of the wing player that's long. Yep. Stop LeBron, but as long as you can prevent him from averaging 40 and that's what right. Durant provides Golden State is in the finals previous to um, the two finals previous to Durant showing up where they played Golden State LeBron I mean whether his shooting percentage was good when um, Kyrie got hurt the first year or not I mean he scored at will mm-hmm. and so bringing Durant in that long wing player that's what that's what kind of settles the dust even if LeBron gets his numbers and Milwaukee's got that plus now the half court option when Jabari comes back I don't know if they'd necessarily beat Cleveland, but I mean, could you imagine playing a first round series? And that's how LeBron stops his finals run. He gets eliminated in the first round. Oh gosh. He's because <laughs> then there's no way. I'm he's say he's the next day. The next day. He's tweeting from yeah, his home in LA. He has his locker right. cleaned out. <laughs> right. I uh yeah. To, does Cleveland need to everyone says, well, who does Cleveland need to add to beat Golden State? But does Cleveland need to make a move just to ensure they get out of the East? So I would say, so here's the, so I think that to, do they need to make a move to make sure they to, get to feel more comfortable? Let's say, I think so. So I, I think they do, but I don't think they should. So okay. my thought is, and this is totally contrary to, you know, everything, but I think now is the time for Cleveland management, which you know you could argue is the worst time to do this, but I actually think the argument can be made that now is the time 
for Cleveland if it's between moving that Brooklyn pick uh, or keeping, you know, or removing it to satisfy another playoff run or keeping it for the post LeBron. I say keep it post LeBron. Now, it's not going to be a top three pick because Brooklyn's playing some pretty good basketball. Uh, but, well, I guess that's what the risk is, is how does Brooklyn finish? Right. If you think they're going to continue to finish good, then you need to get rid of that pick now. Well, so I think it's – so if Brooklyn's going to spin, then, yeah, keep it. I think it'll be a lottery pick. I just don't think it'll be like a top three. Like it okay. could come out of nowhere. But so like if it's like the, you know, like the sixth or the sixth pick or the seventh pick or something like that. Right. Cleveland could still use that. And I Well, think, that's really the only bargaining chip you would say they have, obviously, other than maybe, I don't know, tossing in love or. So I put in the trade machine the other day. This is a trade that I think is pretty interesting. All right. Uh, Paul George for uh, Kevin Love. Uh, now, and I think they had to add one ancillary piece from Oklahoma City to make the numbers work or something. But the trade was successful. Uh, I would say, hey, and now, of course, Sam Presti is pretty good at this, so he will ask for that Brooklyn pick. So there's no way the trade happens. But in theory... So it's no, there's no way it's a heads up, you don't think? I don't think so. I mean, I wouldn't do it if I were Presti. I would ask for that pick because... Well, how many years does Love have well, actually, on Actually, no, because Love... Yeah, Love's under contract. So you get Love. Love's so, not going anywhere next year. Right. So why would you not... To me, OKC has to win the championship to to keep Paul George. And I could even see a scenario where he leaves after that. So to me, you, I would, I would take any heads-up trade that involved Love because of the contract. And I wouldn't have to necessarily have that pick. Because if you're Cleveland, you get the wing and you, you know, you, you get another score, you, right. you, know, you get someone that can help LeBron and get the push. And if they leave, well, fine. At least we got the pick and we can start over, right? Um, yeah, because he would be essentially what they thought Wade might be able to still provide is right. Is having a second unit sure. around him. And it, yeah, it's Wade hasn't done that. He's old. Right. And yeah, right. Paul George would be able to for sure do that. And I think for Oklahoma City's point, you got, you got a true four. For the rest of the year, you could move right. Melo back to his natural three position. Uh, Kevin Love and Russell Westbrook are really good friends, former teammates. Uh, you got him under contract. He's an adequate defender, you know. He's not, but he's better than Melo. Put it that way at the four position, right. uh, playing some stretch five. But you got Stephen Adams, so Love can move back to his natural. Yeah, he, he's position. better at the four defensively. He he just oh, gets sure. crushed when he has to play the five, and that's where right. he is in Cleveland. I mean. So you're looking at a short-term uh, front court of Melo Love. And Stephen Adams, right. you figure out what to do with Mellow in the offseason, but then you have Robertson and uh, Westbrook. Love's under contract. You got those pieces in place. And I think, you know, in my opinion, then then if you're Presti, you can work your magic and see what you can move around. Maybe another wing defender. Yeah, a, a core of Westbrook and, and Love will bring somebody in, even if Mellow decides to right. leave. But, you know, that's actually a better fit to allow Mellow to be Mellow, is if sure. you get someone that's not also a, a shared three position. Right. Uh, it allows Melo to go back to three, even though he's yep. not going to be able to guard anybody. Right. Uh, but that just fits better to me. Um, while I feel like Cleveland needs to do something to feel comfortable, I feel like Boston could really shut the door on everybody if they try to go get Anthony Davis. And I've I really seen think rumblings they about that. do that. I think uh, so. How yeah, does that, how does I, they that have work? so many pieces. So, so what they would be able to offer is they they have because of the Philly trade they just did. There's a scenario in place that if the Lakers finish second, third, fourth, or fifth, that pick goes to Boston next year in the draft. Okay. And you see where the Lakers are hovering. So the Lakers are going to finish near the bottom. Now, the only way it doesn't work is if the Lakers get the number one pick. Then it, mm. then the Lakers keep it. But 
um, two through five, Boston now gets that pick. Okay. It could be as high as a number two pick. Mm-hmm. You pair that with Jason Tatum, the Pelicans make that in a heartbeat of a trade. Not to do that because Anthony Davis is still young. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait for Tatum to develop at all. You keep Rogier and Jalen Brown. I mean, my goodness. And Jalen Brown. Yeah, I mean, Gordon Hayward's coming have, back. Yep. Yeah, you would have quite the team. And I, I don't see how the Pelicans, who just sort of are middle of the road to bottom of the road because the Cousins experiment just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't win with big men anymore, um, even stretch big men. I was watching the game, I think it was two nights ago. I think it was last night. Cousins doesn't even run past half court sometimes. Yeah. I mean, he's just back there, and it's either complaining to the refs whether he has a point or not, but he doesn't run back at all. It's it's There were so many five-on-four scenarios that I just thought, wow, how does that ever work? Huh. Yeah. I, I heard the yeah. other day where Cleveland ought to go get Anthony Davis. I don't see any way they can. <laughs> that Brooklyn pick would have had to have been the number one pick. <laughs> they would have had to do that pick plus Kevin Love uh, plus maybe another player to get him. Right. Um, but – and really make it happen because they have the pieces. At the deadline, and Anthony Davis. It have to be the end of the year, right? To see what that pick would. Yeah, it would have to be the end of the year. Right. Right. Interesting. Oh, yeah, if Boston that, if that happens, go do the door it. is closed. Yeah. Yeah, if Boston go gets Anthony Davis, and because it's Brad Stevens, he would fit into the offense because the offense is not as strict as a Cleveland offense. It seems to be more free flowing, and it allows Kyrie right. to be Kyrie. But I mean, I could not imagine adding what's his nickname, the Octopus. Adding the octopus <laughs> to Boston. I mean, that would, to me, if they didn't come out of the East. Now, I don't know if that's enough to beat Golden State, but um, pretty damn close. Golden State's going to need an injury from um, from one of their main players for it to happen. Even if it's Draymond, then you get a chance. But without that, I don't see. They are just so good. And it may be because James Harden has been out, so everyone's yeah. sort of taking a, a breather on the Rockets. And as soon as he yeah. comes back, but. I mean, my goodness, Golden State is there just seems to be they seem to be as good of a lock every year now as really any in sports. They're good, man. I don't uh what do you think? So real quick, what speaking of Golden State, what do you I've been watching more Minnesota Timberwolves games. I feel like the I feel like they're close. I think you know, we you know what that would be extended time. Go ahead. Let's say they played in the second round. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be a 4-2 type series mm-hmm. um, where maybe Anthony Towns can can get you a win. Uh, while Butler is a good – see, this is the issue. Butler is a top-notch defender, but you need him for either Steph or Durant, and he's not going to stop both of them. Mm-hmm. He's not going to necessarily stop one of them. He's just going to maybe slow them down for a game or two, and then you hope Minnesota can score enough. But um, – are you, are you confident in Teague having a big game? He, he classically choked every year in Atlanta when they played Cleveland. Right. Uh, they got swept two years in a row, and Teague was a big reason. He didn't show up after having good seasons. So you're having to rely on these players. I still like Carl Anthony Towns, maybe not as much as I do DeMarcus Cousins skill-wise, but um, I, I they're at best uh, losing six games to the Warriors, but that's at best. I could see them also losing five. Okay. I mean, I like the team. I feel like they're right. Yeah. You know, you got Wiggins on the wing as well, who's actually right. look at the numbers is is you know sort of this idea of the sort of three and D guy, right. a little overstated. I mean, he's actually right. not as great as as you know sort of the narrative. No, he's a decent defense. scorer who can get you tw- at least twenty a night. But 
are you are you trusting him? Because if, if you're going to slide but, Butler being undersized to guard Durant, let's say, which everyone's undersized against Durant, but you usually sure. try to put a long player on them, which would be Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Durant's going to average 30, at least 25. Um, and I don't see Wiggins – again, that's, this is the playoff conversation of how people that have never been to the playoffs now function in the playoffs, and would Wiggins show up? Right. I mean – Right. You, you finally made the playoffs. You actually have some steam behind you because Butler is an MVP candidate, uh, maybe not near the top, but at least a top seven or eight MVP candidate to me right now. And uh, so you're getting some backing as far as fans for the, the city again and the team, and you got to go play Golden State. Yep. And there's pressure. Right. Man, it should be interesting. So. I think you're right. I mean, unless the, the bus gets a flat for Golden State, I mean, I don't know what uh... – Yeah, now now Houston is set up, though, to to challenge them. Don't get me wrong. But they yeah. have to shoot uh, 45% from three for the series. All right. That's what I go back to, though, man. I think it's – I think the stars align. I think Oklahoma City is the best challenge. It sounds crazy. It sounds weird. Well, the person who's not getting the respect in the league right now is Russell Westbrook. Because right now he's averaging 25, 9.9, and 9.8. He yeah. is on the precipice of another, oh, which man. we've oh. never, ever seen. So if he does that again, and he's <laughs> also be. shooting a better percentage from last year, and his team is performing better, why is he not getting the MVP again? That will be the debate, because now all of a sudden we don't value triple-doubles. I mean, I mean the guy, there's no triple-double talk for him now, and he's right there. Right. Right. I, I, yeah, man. People, and the team's uh, in a better spot than last year. Like They are. I yeah, no. Six I, right in now or, with, with San Antonio, yeah. with Kawhi out for San Antonio, I mean, I could see a situation where they get up as high as four. Um, yeah, and if that's the case, I mean, you do end up in a second-round match of the Golden State. But, right. Um, but if you win definitely it. Definitely watch that series. <laughs> the path to the finals, if you win it, it is, it is there. Uh, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I, I think that would be interesting. I think. Uh, yeah, and I didn't. I didn't realize Westbrook's numbers were so great through uh, through the first half of the season. Well, nobody's talking about it. That's what's weird is that it seemed like that was the only talk last year, while they were a bad team. Right. That's right. Um, right. And now that they're uh, now that they're progressing, um, he still has the numbers while shooting better from the field. So he's he's been a better player. And I heard yesterday that well Westbrook has taken a step back, and I'm like how. <laughs> right. How is that possible? <laughs> that if really that's a step back, may I have only step backs for right. the rest of my life? Right. Uh, no, it's interesting. Uh, well, there's a uh, NBA on the docket tonight, and we'll be sure to watch. Uh, that'll do it for us this time uh, around for the Shuttlesworth Initiative Pod. Again, check out otgbasketball.com where we have the trade deadline countdown going on on the website. Like I said, articles, podcasts, and uh, everything in between related to this year's NBA trade deadline. Um, Chris, as always, thank you for making time, my friend. Yeah, Jay, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.